0: Going Linux Episode 297, Choosing a Linux Distribution for Installation on an Older Computer. Welcome to the Going Linux Podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy.
1: And I'm your co-host, Bill.
0: Whether you are new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice That will help you in going Linux.
1: We hope that you find this and all our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and its applications, and using them to get things done.
0: In today's episode, choosing a Linux distribution for installation on your older computer. Hey, Bill.
1: Hey, Larry. How are you?
0: Oh, wonderful! We've had our technical difficulties this morning, (laughs) have we not?
1: Oh, boy! You would. Don't we won't even go into it. If you weren't broken, I was broken. If I wasn't broken, you were broken. So, yeah, we'll just pretty much just say we had our technical difficulties. We've overcome them.
0: And, and move on. Done. Yes. <laughs>
1: move on. But uh two news items. Okay. Uh, Linux Mint got hacked.
0: <laughs> yes, it did. The website and some of the uh, ISO downloads. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Please tell me that you didn't download one of those corrupted.
0: Oh, no, no. They were the versions I had already installed long ago. So uh, as I understand it, uh, and there have been some developments since uh, I I last read up on this, but as I understand it, the website was hacked through um, through a WordPress vulnerability, uh, and the website included both the main Linux Mint website and the forums. Uh, within just a day, within a day, um, Clem had identified that there was a problem, shut down the website, and began remediating, basically. But in the process, he also found out that the at least one, maybe two, of the uh, ISOs that were posted had been replaced by corrupted versions, which allowed the uh, person who modified them to begin to use anyone's computer who had installed those corrupted versions, uh, begin to use those computers as part of a botnet. So, (laughs) yeah, this was really serious. The bad news is, since it was open source, somebody could do this. But the, ba- the good news is that because it's open source, it was quickly and easily, well, I'm sure there was a lot of work went into it, but easily, relatively easily remedied. Uh, Clem, you know, wiped the server, set up separate servers for the website and for the forum, and replaced the infected uh, ISO images, and in fact, uh, had probably taken some additional Remediation efforts to make sure this isn't going to happen again. I'll continue to read up on it and follow it, but uh, the, that's the long and short of it. Uh, it was it was a bad situation, but it was quickly uh, remedied.
1: Now, what I the one question I have about that? Uh, I, it, well, I know it's that's that could happen to anybody. I mean, it's sure. happened to major corporations, so it's you know, it's not nothing they did wrong. Hackers are smart people. Uh, Did the M, what is it called, MD5 match the ISO? I mean, because, you know, when you download it, you can always compare that number to the ISO. It's supposed to correspond.
0: Right, right. But since the hacker had access to the website, he replaced the MD5 sum on the website. So if you had downloaded the ISO and then checked the MD5 sum of that against what was on the website, since the website was corrupted. And infected and hacked and all those other good things, the uh, MD5 some match, but it was wrong. You know, oh, it, wow. it matched the wrong version. So oh, boy,
1: I tell you, those guys are smart. Yes, because I mean, I, I do that every time just to make sure that they mesh.
0: Yeah. Um, well, did you catch the uh, the interview on Ars Technica of the person who hacked the Linux Mint website? No, I didn't. Yeah, I think it was Ars Technica. Anyway, uh, the hacker was a little bit cocky and explained basically how it was done. And it really gave no particular reason for Just doing do it, it other than to do it. And he needed, as I understand, he needed $85. So he held it ransom. For some, Somehow or other, he charged $85 to somebody for something and... Got hit. Got the little bit of money he was looking for. I think. That Are you p- serious? Yeah, that's. Oh, yeah, wow. it, it's all very, very suspect and very screwy. And hey, very sketchy. Very sketchy. Yes, exactly. And well,
1: I, I tell you, I'm not a fan of the Linux Mint project that much, but I don't think I'd want to piss off the developers of Linux Mint because that guy might be smart, but. Those guys aren't too shabby themselves. So yes. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, pick your battles because uh, anyway, uh, I'm sorry that happened to him, but yeah. uh, I definitely wouldn't want to have Clem uh, after me and these right. developers. So.
0: Well, the the key thing is this is no reflection on Linux Mint or the Linux Print nope. project. It could happen to anyone. And sure, Clem could have taken some additional steps to try to prevent this from happening, like making sure his WordPress uh, updates were updated. Maybe he did that already. Maybe there was a vulnerability in WordPress that hadn't been patched at all. Uh, I really don't know. But the thing is, the fact that this is an open source project allowed it to be uh, detected early, to be fixed early. Yes. And if this had been Windows or uh, OS 10 or even Chrome OS, I suspect that it would have taken longer at least longer to fix it, if not longer to detect it, um, we probably
1: wouldn't even heard about it. We just got a mysterious update and be done with it, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, possibly but, so,
1: but uh yeah, like I said, that could happen to anybody, but uh like I said, uh, that's just evil, and the other one that I've been following for years is Sko is finally dead,
0: <laughs> okay, so uh what I know about this is SCO was a an organization that produced its own linux for some reason they were in a lawsuit they had some some patent claim or something but i'm not really clear on it and i'm sure some of our listeners have no idea what we're talking about so can you explain it
1: yeah, basically SCO uh create, well. it was called SCO Unix. It was SCO, Unix, okay, not a Linux yeah, but SCO a Unix. SCO Unix said that I was suing IBM cuz they said IBM put some uh Unix code into Linux and they were upset about it. The the details are, you know, you get different details. Anyway, so those two battled for a while and then from what I understand SCO bought Caldera. Uh which was, you know, remember Caldera yeah. I think I said Linux. Well, yep. that went on a while. Well, apparently, uh, they keep, they, they kept losing the lawsuits. So now another company of investors bought the assets of what was left to scope because basically they went bankrupt. Right. They, they okay. Just, you, you're suing IBM. IBM has more money than God. So, you know, they're not going to run out of money. So you're picking on a big boy to begin with. So you're definitely not going to win. I mean, that's like me trying to sue Microsoft. That's not, you know, they won't even think about me. You know, it's like, (laughs) we'll just wait till he runs out of money. Yeah. And so the new company that bought them uh, basically says, uh, we, we are not interested in pursuing this. We just bought the assets. And there was some legal action that had to basically happen. And basically they said, Sko's no more. We don't have the money to fight anymore. IBM says there's no legal precedent anymore. So they just pretty much, the lawsuits are gone.
0: So, oh, okay.
1: Yeah. So SCO has died and come back, died and come back. Now it's hopefully dead and won't ever come back again. Yeah. And basically, it's it's like it had like, nine lives you just when you thought sco was finally beaten they'd always come back with something else and <laughs> it made no sense they they their the lawsuit they were using it was very weak to begin with and and they and I guess after losing the first you know 20 cases they they just didn't get the message that they weren't going to win
0: well let's hope they stay dead
1: <laughs> rest in peace or rest <laughs> in pieces we should say
0: yes Yes, exactly.
1: So anybody that uh, might sound a little rough today, I'm getting over uh, an illness, so just kind of overlook me if you hear me sniffling and coughing and stuff. So other than that, I think we've talked quite a bit about revitalizing old computers and with lightweight Linux distributions. Now, what if we ran lightweight Linux on a more modern computer hardware or compare Linux with an operating system that come pre-installed on the computer? Shouldn't we be making our comparison that way, or should we just continue doing it the way we always have? What do you think?
0: Well, you know, I think any self-respecting Linux user would agree that the fairest comparison of a modern Linux distribution with other operating systems is to use the latest hardware for that comparison. And in that way, Linux simply outperforms other operating systems in so many ways.
1: Okay. Now, after you have said that, let's not forget that lightweight distributions do extend the life of older hardware. Older hardware that is just too underpowered to run an advan- the advanced features of, of some of the more demanding software.
0: Right, right. And another consideration is that when you buy a new computer with Windows or OS 10 pre-installed, you have to deal with planned obsolescence. Planned obsolescence is a, quote, feature... That's so prevalent with proprietary operating system software. You know, when you replace that limiting OS with Linux, you could have a powerful modern computer that can be used and updated for years without trouble and without additional cost of replacing hardware and software because it's designed to be obsolete after a period of time.
1: You're going to prime my computer once. The only way I'm going to let it go is when it's completely dead. But (laughs) that being said, let's look at what it takes to run a lightweight Linux on a computer you already have, whether it's old or new. Right
0: yeah yeah and with that in mind let's discuss some of the considerations for choosing a lightweight distribution so things like minimum system requirements which of course answers the question does my older computer have the horsepower to run linux uh what about chrome os can i run it instead on this older computer uh what about linux distributions that look like chrome os and the question that many Linux users want to know is: Unity really as much of a resource hog as it seems from the reviews? <laughs> oh, oh, okay.
1: Well, I'm going to tackle the last one first. Okay. Okay. When Unity first came out, hated it. Couldn't stand it. It was a resource hog, it was slow, clunky. I didn't think that it was worth the code that it was written on. Mm-hmm. Over the the, the revisions and uh optimizations that they've done to it unity is one of my favorites now just because it is such a good interface and it is such a low in my book for a modern computer with as little as 4 gigabytes of of of, of memory mm-hmm. uh, i've seen it run flawlessly Fast, faster than Windows 10, faster than OS X, faster than Chrome OS. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember? There's settings that you can change, and you need to make it even faster. You can turn off some of the animations of it. So you can you can uh, tell it to, you know to close things, and you can just you can really play with it. You can really s- optimize it to how you want. And so I think Unity gets an unfair knock because people sometimes don't realize that, you know, yes, when it came out, it was kind of cr- crappy, mm-hmm. but over time, it has uh, gotten better. Now, that being said, Ubuntu Mate yeah. is considerably faster because right. it's even uh, more lightweight. I like the old Mate interface better than i like unity but unity is still one of my uh one of my go-tos i mean i have Ubuntu bunch with unity installed on the computer and i have no problems with it and this computer only has it's an older one it only has two gigabytes of ram and it runs just fine yes it might see a delay here or there but you can't remember now it's running the operating system it's running the software and running the interface on less than two gigabytes come on what more do you want <laughs> You, you can't you can't even run windows 10 on Lesson 4 and have a, a acceptable pa- uh, performance i mean and it's kind of slow then
0: so. right right and to support our our episode here we'll have a link in the show notes to a table that gives you the system requirements, the minimum system requirements and the recommended system requirements for some of the distributions that we're going to be talking about here today, including Unity. Uh One thing you mentioned, though, Bill, is that with Unity, you may not have the optimal settings when you start up for your computer, and it's quite easy to tweak the settings so that it it works quite well with, with your computer. But, you know, I I have a problem with that. You you can say that about any Linux distribution. You could say that, you know, Arch Linux, uh, you could easily tweak it for any hardware. You could say Linux from scratch. Of course, you can tweak it for your hardware because you're compiling everything and everything will work perfectly with your hardware because you're building it specifically for that hardware. But that's not what the average computer user wants. They want to be able to just install it and have it just work and not have to tweak with things. And that's the advantage of some of these lightweight Linux distributions. They're designed to not require a lot of system resources in order to run. And if your computer is the latest screaming, all-powerful computer, it's going to sip at some of those resources and just run all that much better. But if you're trying to install it on an older computer, like we're discussing on this episode, I think uh, you know it's it's going to work out of the box better for you and for the average computer user, and certainly many of the listeners to this podcast. That's uh, there's a lot to be said for that. Okay. And Unity doesn't do that out of the box.
1: Okay. I, now I have to disagree with you, and I'm probably, uh, I hope you see my my view. Okay. Yeah, you might not have to adjust uh, some of these lightweight, but that does not mean that you can't, and if you do choose, you could probably even get more performance out of them.
0: That's a very valid point, and I yeah. agree with you 100%, that you can make those adjustments to any Linux distribution.
1: I just think that Unity is a bigger target because Ubuntu is one of the biggest Linux distros out there and Unity is their default desktop, uh, that they promote. Yes. And to be fair, some of these, uh, projects are, are built upon the Ubuntu source. And so they've had the time to internally tweak things that you don't get on a stock Unity. You see? Yeah. So it's kind of not fair in, in a way because, you know, you can't tell me Ubuntu Mate has not taken the time to, I know they have, to really tweak this thing so it runs blazingly fast or Linux Mint hasn't taken the time to take, make sure that its Cinnamon desktop is as, is as lean and as fast as possible because they're building on the shoulders of, of, of Ubuntu you know right right on shoulders of giants so you know they, they they're taking uh work already done and they have the extra time to really tweak it to make it s- to run even faster so in a way it's it's not really fair to compare a stock unity against a uh, what I call a modified uh, des- uh lightweight desktop that's just yeah. my feelings
0: yeah i i get that point extending it in the other direction though Ubuntu my uh, whatever flavor of Ubuntu is built on Debian and stock Debian out of the box runs much faster and cleaner and much more efficiently than does Ubuntu Unity but you know you, there are other things that just won't work out of the box with Debian without <laughs> tweaking so you know it's it's a bit of a double-edged sword and I I understand 100% what you're saying, and let's face it, Ubuntu Unity is not designed for older computers, not specifically designed for older computers, and the direction they're taking it in is to try to make it convergent, which means to try to make it so that you're running a single operating system on multiple devices, whether that's a tablet, whether that's a phone, whether that's a TV, laptop, TV, uh, desktop, computer, whatever. And there's a lot to be said for that project. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done in that project to make all that work. They're doing that. And one of the the trade-offs that they've had to make is that it's not specifically designed to run on older hardware. Uh, However, you can run it on older hardware if you choose to do so and you make some sacrifices. You turn off some things that are requiring um, more power out of your computer. Uh, You you tweak some settings and so on. Uh, But some of the other distributions we're going to talk about here don't require that tweaking.
1: Well, so then basically Unity shouldn't even be in this discussion for lightweight desktops.
0: Yeah, it's not a lightweight desktop. But I included it in the table because it is probably the one that most people new to Linux will gravitate towards because it's one of the ones that gets the biggest uh, share of attention because of the advertising that they do and the promotion that they do. And as a result, the table will help you make a comparison between what is popular and what might be the right operating system for your computer whether that's uh, an older computer with lower specs or you just want to get better performance out of your newer computer by using something that doesn't have such heavyweight system requirements
1: okay so now that everybody knows i'm a ubuntu fanboy <laughs> let's let's and i am let's take it and i want you to tell me why chrome os should be considered
0: okay well before we do that let's just kind of go through the list of uh, distributions that we're considering here and we're looking at ubuntu mate and the one that we've chosen is the as the time of recording the the current one that you can get from their website which is 1510. Uh, we're looking at zubuntu which is ubuntu with the xfce interface and of course going back a step here, Ubuntu Mate is Ubuntu with the Mate desktop environment. And we're looking at Linux Mint 17.3. We're looking at Cub Linux. We'll explain what that is in a minute. We're looking at Cloud Ready. And we're looking at Ubuntu 15.10, which is Ubuntu with the Unity desktop. So back to Chrome OS. You can't install Chrome OS on a windows or Mac computer having said that you can install something called cloud ready and cloud ready is a Linux distribution that is well Chrome OS is derived from Linux but cloud ready is also derived from Chrome OS or is a fork well maybe fork is too strong a word it's a variation that is specifically designed for installation on non-Google Chrome hardware. So it's not on a Chromebook or a Chromebase or a Chromebox. It's for installation on older hardware, quite frankly, uh, for people who want to run the Chrome operating system, but don't have a Chrome, a, a, a Google-sanctioned set of hardware to put it on. And uh, the company that makes cloud-ready, has designed this uh, so that it mirrors the Chrome operating system and works exactly the same way as Chrome does. So in effect, you're installing the equivalent of Chrome operating system on hardware. And with that in mind, why would you want to do that? Well, you would want to do that because A, you're, let's say, a school and you want to use Chrome, the Chrome operating system because of all of its advantages for education, like the fact that you can have a centralized uh, control panel to control all of the various Chrome computers that you have. And CloudReady allows you to do that because... In essence, it is the Chrome operating system. It works functionally the same as the Chrome operating system and gives you all of the Chrome tools. Uh, although it's not supported by Google, it uh, is developed with their uh, with their blessing from what I understand.
1: Well, at least I had the blessing.
0: <laughs> yeah so and and it has very minimal requirements. Uh, and just to review what their requirements are, They require a minimum of one gigabyte of RAM. And you were talking about Ubuntu Unity running just nicely in four gigabytes of RAM. So that's one quarter of that. It requires, of course, a Wi-Fi or Ethernet connection because essentially it's Chrome OS, a browser running as an operating system. Uh, And it requires eight gigabytes of disk space on your computer. It uh, can run on desktops and laptops introduced on or after May of 2007, so it will handle older hardware, at least back as far as 2007. Or if you've got a netbook, in order for it to have the hardware necessary to run the cloud-ready operating system, it needs to be a netbook that was introduced on or after June 2009. And it's it requires as a minimum a thirteen sixty six by seven sixty eight display. Now some of these other distributions that we will be talking about here have even lighter weight requirements than Cloud Ready. But if you're interested in the Chrome operating system, that's one way to go.
1: Okay, uh, I see why Cloud Ready's in this list. Mm-hmm. I don't really think it should be in this list because it's basically a browser. <laughs>
0: Well, as you know, with with the Chrome operating system, yeah, it's based on the browser, but they've developed it to a point where uh, many of the functions can be run offline. You don't have to be online to use it. And yes, everything runs in the browser, but let's face it, you can open a website, if you will, an HTML file on your Computer's hard drive using a browser and browse around in it until you click a link that requires a connection to the internet. And so, with that in mind, Chrome OS or cloud ready will work just fine as long as what you are trying to access is accessible without an internet connection. And there's quite a bit these days.
1: Okay, fair enough. Well, uh, now that we talked about cloud ready, let's talk about uh, Ubuntu. Okay. Okay. Now it's. Minimum is five hundred and twelve megabytes. It's recommended as one gigabyte of memory.
0: Right. That we're right. talking about RAM memory now. Yeah, RAM. Yeah.
1: Very. That's very light.
0: It is very light.
1: Uh, it has Wi-Fi or uh, wired has
0: mm-hmm. uh, a requirement. Connectivity. Prime, primarily and to get the updates, right?
1: Yeah. So you can get your updates, and this minimum storage is five gigabytes, or and it kind of recommends about twenty gigabytes right. you know, for programs. But it'll run on five. <laughs> Yeah, but it we're one on five if you really want to strip it down. Yep. And which I think is just totally crazy. Yeah. Uh it 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 only requires a PAE processor. Now what that is, is uh a processor that can that uh can run the uh code if I'm that's a thirty two bit processor, isn't it? Basically.
0: Yeah, so it requires a minimum of a PAE processor, which means that yeah, you can have a 32 bit processor, but it needs to be capable of running PAE or in PAE mode, depending on how you want to describe that, which means that it has to be a fairly recent processor. The really, really old 32- bit processors weren't capable of PAE and and just by way of definition, PAE allows you to access additional memory space, uh, but using a 32-bit processor, normally a 32-bit processor is limited, I think, to 8, uh, whereas PAE gives you uh, access to 16. more. To 16 is- as, as a minimum, yeah. So uh, if you have, and we're talking about RAM here, so 8 gigabytes of RAM. Um, It would be the limit for a 32-bit processor without PAE and with PAE, it lets you access more. So you can gain more. But again, if you only have 512 megabytes of RAM in your system, Ubuntu will run... But if you don't have a PAE processor, it won't, because it's it's based on Ubuntu, and the modern Ubuntu distributions require PAE processors, with one wow. major exception, and that's Ubuntu Mate, but we'll talk about that separately. Yeah.
1: Now, I, I will say that when they say 512 megabytes, uh, I know for a fact it will run on 384 megabytes. Yes. I've done it. Yeah. So, I mean, the... the I think they're even. That's they're saying we, okay. We need you need 512 to run. But if you have less, it will run. It might not be optimal, but I have actually run it fairly well. But you just have to remember now you have to, kind of. uh, You're gonna be using almost all your memory to to do it. But the screen resolution, uh, I think, is a little uh, is interesting its minimum is 800 by 600. So that's basically any monitor that's been made in the past 10 years it can run on.
0: Right. And that's the lowest spec that we have in the list that we have is is 800 by 600. And only three of the distributions that we are going to talk about will handle a, a screen size that Low in resolution. Of course, Zubuntu recommends 1024 by 768, but if you have an 800 by 600 screen, you can see all the dialog boxes, you can see all of the windows uh, without. Too much difficulty, of course, with today's modern websites. If you're in a browser, you may you may have an issue. But um, the real issue on screen size is that as the desktop environment and uh, and the widgets that appear on the screen are designed more and more for the larger uh, resolution monitors, when you get to the smaller monitors, sometimes a dialog box won't even fit and. Uh, 800 by 600 and so you have to kind of scroll right left up and down to see <laughs> where that okay button is and sometimes you can't even scroll so yeah the fact that zubuntu will still work just fine on an 800 by 600 is pretty darn good i think and that's mainly because of the xsve desktop i think
1: now i do want to just add a caveat to this uh anything that will run to zubuntu will also run lubuntu
0: yes which has even lighter weight system yes. requirements but and, we,
1: there's just so many versions of the uh the desktops which has to kind of try to give you a general idea of the different lightweight yeah but just we we don't want anybody to think that we're only picking a bunch of there are a lot of uh desktops out there and other like uh, uh what's that one all oh, the Arch Linux. Arch yes. Linux. You can even get very, very light. So there's a lot of different, uh, uh, lightweight, uh, Linux distributions out there, but we're just trying to kind of, st- on the, the central ones that most people will have heard of,
0: yeah, and the ones think, that we're familiar with as well.
1: Yeah, that one we're pretty familiar with. So, uh, if if it runs as Ubuntu, it will run Ubuntu because Ubuntu is also a very lightweight, and that uses the LXDE desktop. So, right. So we're not just we're not just we're not ignoring it. We just if we named everyone, we'd be here for th- five hours, and people come get <laughs> tired of hearing my voice after the four yeah. and a half mark. Exactly. But, uh, <laughs> Or You're not supposed to agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now that we've talked about Zubuntu, give me an example of another one that you, uh, that you think qualifies as a lightweight.
0: Well, you know, one that uh, will surprise some folks is Linux Mint 17.3 with either Cinnamon or Mate. And the reason that I classify that as lightweight is because of these minimum system specs, again. And Its minimum RAM requirements is 512 megabytes of RAM. They recommend a gigabyte. Uh, Of course, they're recommending a Wi-Fi or Ethernet connection, as all of these do, primarily so that you can get software updates and so that you can browse the web. Uh, And the minimum storage requirement for a hard drive is 9 gigabytes. That's larger than Zubuntu uh, and in line with many of the others that we're talking about here. So I think the 5 to 8 gigabyte size for hard drives is mainly to be able to install the operating system and have a little bit of space left for for applications. But the recommended size is 20 gigabytes as many of these will be. and that's again primarily so that you can install even more applications and actually get some decent use out of your computer. Uh, for a processor, it requires a minimum. if you're running the 64-bit ISO, to boot with uh, BIOS or UEFI, it'll work with both. For a 32-bit ISO, you can only boot with BIOS. So if your computer has UEFI, uh, unless you can switch it to legacy or BIOS mode, you're not going to be running a 32-bit uh, com- uh, operating system on that for Linux Mint 17.3. And they recommend 60, 64-bit um Uh, operating system and the 64 bit iso for all modern computers of course uh and linux mint believe it or not mint or uh, cinnamon or mate will run on an 800 by 600 screen it's probably not probably not going to be the optimal performance of course but uh they're recommending 1024 by 768 as a minimum but you could get by if the only monitor you have is 800 by 600 invest in a better monitor but you could you could run on it you could run on it if you really don't have the cash to do that that.
1: cinnamon would run on 800 by 600 it
0: will it will it'll struggle a little bit but you can see everything you can see all the dialogue boxes and everything and and it will work so you can get by
1: okay so what you're saying is cinnamon will run well on on this type of machine i mean i've seen cinnamon and it looks a like a very modern desktop i mean it doesn't look old at all it just amazes me that it can get that much performance out of so little resources
0: yeah originally cinnamon was based on gnome 3 and now it is its own desktop environment so it's not really uh, a fork of or based so much on gnome 3 as it used to be and the linux mint team is also the team responsible for developing cinnamon and they have really optimized this thing to the point where it is a lighter weight not the lightest weight out there but it's a lighter weight desktop environment and uh, surprisingly it performs pretty well with lower specs now it's not it's going to perform reasonably with the minimum requirements. If you use the recommended requirements, that's one gigabyte of RAM, 20 gigabyte hard drive and 1024 by 768, it's going to be a much more satisfying uh, experience for you.
1: Yeah. I can, I can see that. Uh, But, you know, uh, we keep talking about the minimal storage requirements for Mm -hmm, all these mm -hmm. and really, that, that I don't even really think we should even worry about the minimum storage because uh I don't care how old it, your computer is unless it is 15 years old you're going to have at least 120 gigabytes of uh, of drive space.
0: Yep. And even in the older computers, you can add an external drive or you can replace the internal drive with something a little larger. So I think the minimum spec on the storage capacity is more for somebody wanting to install it, get it started, doesn't want to change out anything. uh, What is the minimum hard drive size to get this thing installed? And of course, as soon as you start installing the applications you actually want for running on a day-to-day basis, you're going to need some more storage space pretty quickly beyond the minimum they recommend.
1: Well, you can almost run your entire system and all your applications and keep all your stuff on a flash card now.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, yeah. I I've, <laughs> I've seen a 200 gigabyte flash card. Micro, really? micro uh, USB fl- or micro SD card, that's what I'm thinking. I've
1: only seen 128, so apparently they've increased them even more. Yeah,
0: yeah, this was newly introduced, I think. So, yeah, they they keep making them bigger all the time. Now, Ubuntu Mate is a little bit unique. You might think that okay, Linux Mint with Mate desktop or any other distribution with Mate desktop is going to be pretty similar to any Linux distribution with Mate desktop, but the Ubuntu Mate team has done some pretty unique things to make it compatible with some pretty unique processors in particular. Yes, I ha- I
1: have to be the one to talk about this Okay, you go right blows ahead. Blows my mind. Yeah. Okay, minimum CPU recommended is a Pentium 3. Yes, 750 megahertz. Megahertz,
0: megahertz, not gigahertz, megahertz. Uh, Megahertz. Yes.
1: Uh, And then, of course, they recommend like a Core 2 Duo 1.6 gigahertz, but it just blows my mind that you could run mate on a pentium 3 how old is a pentium 3 i mean pretty geez, darn old. that's yeah. amazing
0: yes yes
1: and then of course uh, they have a 32-bit 64-bit it supports uefi and mac 64-bit and power pc and ibm power pc and then it supports arm uh-huh. And then what's really amazing is that if they haven't done enough, it does Raspberry Pi 2 and ARM uh version 7. Yeah. So I'm sitting there going, "Guys, don't you sleep?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> they've got That's they've amazing. got a lot of people on their development team that have some pretty old computers. They do testing on apparently. <laughs> apparently,
1: I mean, minimal storage, which is you know in line with the others we talked about. Yep. it's still lighter than some of them. Eight gigabytes minimal. Yes, and sixteen gigabytes recommended. Really? Right. I mean. That's that's a flash drive, yeah, I, mean, I carry a bigger flash drive in my pocket, right, right, <laughs> so it's just it's just amazing i i I think that's the only one in our list that actually will run on a Pentium three, yeah, they actually say that
0: yes, exactly and and that's their minimum system requirements, so they're supporting that for sure and just to round out the rest of the specs 512 megabytes of ram is the minimum they recommend two so they're recommending a little bit more ram and they will run on a minimum of a 1024 by 768 display but they're recommending 1366 by 768 which is kind of the standard for laptops these days especially some of the older ones and As a result, uh, their recommended specifications as opposed to their minimum specifications are a little higher in some areas than some of the other distributions. But if you really have a really, really old computer, Ubuntu Mate is the one to take a look at, especially if you've got a Pentium 3 (laughs) or you're trying to run it on a PowerPC Mac
1: I personally think Martin just said, hey, let's just say two gigabytes just to be safe, but I bet you, you could run the whole thing on 512 and still do well.
0: I I, mean, I bet you could.
1: <laughs> I, 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 I just know he's just Inflating that, fi- that figure. Well,
0: there's... he wants to make sure that the recommended uh, specifications, most people will see some satisfactory performance as opposed to struggling along to keep up with your 750 but, megahertz. Damn, three
1: 750 megahertz? Yeah. I don't have anything that old.
0: Yeah, <laughs> neither do I. Well, wait a minute. Wow. Maybe, maybe Way I do. To go, guys. <laughs> but nothing I've used recently. That's for sure.
1: I mean, I mean, and, but what's fascinating about it is you could use that machine as a productive unit.
0: Yes. Yes, you could.
1: <laughs> I mean, so that just, I mean, my mind just goes <laughs> <laughs> when I, when I see that. So uh, really great job, guys.
0: Yep. Yeah. Well, and compare that. Uh, Ubuntu Mate is, is one of the few that will run on PowerPC. The other one in our list that will run on PowerPC is Ubuntu with Unity, and their minimum spec for processor is 700 megahertz, 32 or 64 bit. It will run on Mac PowerPC and IBM PowerPC as well, and they have a version for ARM. Now, of course, when we're talking about these different processors, sometimes you need to download a different ISO for each of the different architectures. It's not like the same ISO will run on all of these, but they have versions to support these. And, uh, you know, to round out the rest of the specs on Ubuntu with Unity, 512 megabytes of RAM minimum, recommending two. Uh, 20 to 44 gigabytes of hard drive space is what their minimum recommendation recommendation is so they're recommending much more hard drive space and again that's probably because when they do the installation they're going to have a lot more installed by default in terms of something that requires a lot of support And their recommended size for a hard drive for Ubuntu with Unity is 500 gigabytes, certainly (laughs) the largest of any of these, uh, which is probably why they get the reputation of being uh, not so lightweight distribution but with 512 megabytes of ram 20 gigabyte hard drive 700 megahertz processor and 10 24 by 768 as their minimum requirements it's in line with the other distributions we're talking about here
1: but you know you could fit every other distribution it's recommended into that and still have some to spare <laughs> yes yes exactly
0: into that hard drive yeah Yeah, you can install them all in there.
1: (laughs) Now, their minimum resolution is is a little higher than some of them. Yeah, because they use a ten twenty four by seven sixty eight, but they recommend, which is I think the highest one I've seen. Yeah, uh, recommended is twelve eighty by. 1024. Yeah.
0: And again, that's, I think has more to do with the unity desktop than anything else because of the layout, the design of the desktop environment. They need that screen real estate to be able to display effectively what it is they have in their system. So that I think is, is really the indicator that this is not a true lightweight Linux distribution.
1: You snuck it in anyway.
0: Yes. Well, again, we we need to include that. (laughs) For comparison, if for yeah. no other reason,
1: so you know, there's a few others, but they're all in line to basically what we've been talking about.
0: Yeah, the one, so, the, the one that's in our list that we haven't really talked about is another one in the Chrome operating system camp. That's called okay. Cub Linux. Cub Linux. Yeah, and it used to be called Chromixium. Terrible name. Well, yeah, and Google made them stop using that name because it infringed on their trademark or something, but. (laughs) uh,
1: And it's also difficult to say
0: and sound it off. Yeah. So Cub Linux is pretty good. I think Cub Linux is good. Yeah. And it is Linux. It is not Chrome. It is a Linux distribution that looks like Chrome. It's designed to behave a little bit like Chrome as well. Uh, So being a Linux distribution, it's in line with the other, distributions that we've got on the list here in terms of minimum system requirements and it is designed for lighter weight system requirements 512 megabytes of ram is the minimum uh, and they're recommended for a 32-bit system is one gigabytes for a 64-bit system is two to three uh, they have a minimum requirement on their hard drive size of four recommended eight and they will go down to 800 by 600 resolution as well recommending 1024 by 600 Their minimum spec for a processor is a one gigahertz processor, Intel or AMD, and they prefer a dual core rather than a single core uh, processor. So that's, uh, that's pretty much it. If you want the Chrome experience, but you want the full featured Linux tools available and you want to be able to install any Linux application, then Cub Linux is something you should look at for sure.
1: Okay, so now that we've pretty much covered all that, I've got some some conclusions from this whole episode.
0: Okay, let's do those.
1: Okay, see if you agree with me. One, if you want a Chromebook, just buy a Chromebook. (laughs) Agreed. Two, if you want the full Chromebook experience on an older PC, especially with older hardware, use Cloud Ready. Yep. Three, if you want the look of the Chrome OS with the power of the full linux distribution use cub linux. Mhm. Yep. Okay, 4. And now let's see if you agree with me here. If you have really old hardware with a small hard drive or a power pc or an arm processor, then you'll want to use ubuntu mate.
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty much the only one that will handle it. So, yeah.
1: So, yeah, I got I got that one on it. I was waiting to see if you're going to agree with me because that was the only (laughs) one in the the list. Yeah. See, I was being sneaky, but apparently it didn't work.
0: There may be other distributions out there that can handle it as well, but uh, in our list, that's the one.
1: Now, five, and my last conclusion, uh, for really old hardware with a small hard drive, and you only have 600 by 800 resolution then zubuntu or linux mint are for you
0: yep i think so and the only one that we've talked about that's not in our list that we did mention though is lubuntu the lxde interface i think you could handle it could handle that as well so zubuntu linux mint uh, mate or cinnamon uh, or lubuntu
1: so what what have we kind of taken away from this? Because uh, we've talked about using Linux on modern computers, using Linux on older computers, uh, using Linux to extend computers, using Linux to get things done. So now, now that we've kind of went full circle, mm-hmm. what I've gotten out of this this, all these discussions, is that basically Linux can be used just about anywhere on anything, at any time.
0: Right, and and that's really the takeaway is you can tweak any linux to do just about anything. However, if you're looking for something that you can run out of the box and you want to be able to run it on your hardware, take a look at the minimum system requirements of the distribution you're considering before you try to install it and with those minimum system requirements or the recommended system requirements in mind you can probably find a linux distribution out there to do anything anything you want and with these lightweight distributions many of them will work out of the box on older hardware but just imagine how well they're going to work on newer hardware
1: I would love to run, I'd, I'd love to have a supercomputer at my house so I could run Linux on it just to see how fast, fast could go. Okay, I'm weird, but I couldn't afford the power bill, most likely. I'm talking about a supercomputer, the one called Roadrunner, you know, the, the real fast one that NASA uses. Do you think they'll let me play with that?
0: Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> but you can always ask.
1: Yeah, you know, hey, I'm from the Going Linux Podcast. Could I play with your computer? And they'll probably slap me and shoot me and, and throw me out. Uh, all in all, I see that Linux is pretty much, no matter uh, what you have, you can make it run.
0: Yes. Yes, so, you can. And That's exciting. Yeah, That's
1: exciting to me because there's not many things that are that adaptable right? in software. So just, it just blows my mind every time.
0: That's true. And thank goodness for open source. That's all I can say.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now that we've talked about this, what is our next episode, Larry?
0: Our next episode in our sequence, as always, will be a listener feedback episode. And of course, until then, you can go to our website at goinglinux.com for any articles and show notes that we have, as well as links to download and subscribe. We are the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done.
1: And if you have a free supercomputer, send it to me. (laughs) And if you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Links podcast, Google Plus Community.
0: Until next time, keep looking for that supercomputer. And thanks for listening.
1: (laughs) 73.